The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me once again for the foreseeable future and for many shows prior, via social distancing, we have none other than the life with Jenner G's, Jenner well, Elise Thank you so much for having me, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> I, I am well. It sounds like you're doing well. I'm great. Um, on this week's show, we're going to have our very own Pronto Comics, Dominic Definition Mansperano, do his comic pick of the week. Our senior correspondent, because I have the segments already ready, it has an interview, a multi-part interview, which we're only going to air one part per week, of um, author um, Lauren Malloy. So we have that. And we have another Jay Bird and Lee segment. But before we do any of that, we're going to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official show of, celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Uh, hopefully, when the apocalypse is over, they'll have their next convention, and then you guys can go. Also want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, Award-winning director Jared Burrell, two-sentence horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unji Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church in New York. Uh, if you want to have your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, and just for a measly dollar, you get to have uh, your shout-out on our show. What else are you going to get for a dollar, huh? Um, not much. You can't even get a... You can get, actually, you can get a, a soda. Actually, no, you have to pay tax. So, no, you can't get much for a dollar. You have to get stuff that's less for a dollar. Exactly. It's a steal. And that, I mean, that means that we're really not worth very much. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the price dictates your worth, no? Um, no. <laughs> the value dictates the worth. So, if, you, so if mm. it's the price of a dollar, but you value it as more than a dollar... It's worth more. I okay, think. so it's a steal. All right, the Jewish in me is excited now. Okay, it's a steal. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, a steal. steal. I'm gonna tell all my Jewish friends sign up. It's only a dollar. Yeah, see, that's what you should do. You should get your Jewish friends and your non-Jewish friends. You should get all your friends. I'm gonna do that. Don't, don't be segregating. Get them all. I'm gonna do it, Mark. Only a dollar. Got it. But get any type of, um, you know, a consignment deal. What's the What's the deal? What's the deal? Uh, uh. Uh, you know, when you, uh, can't think of the word. You're, you're on your own. <laughs> commission, commission. That's you, what I'm you got, you threw me when you called me Mark. <laughs> Mark? Like, who the hell is that? <laughs> you know who this is. You know it well. It took me a second. That's why I was like, ah, I'm lost. You're on your own. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so let's start off with the, with the sad news, as always. Oh, God. Legendary comic book writer Denny O'Neill has died of natural causes recently. Uh, Denny was best known for his work on Batman, which included writing Batman, Detective Comics, and Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, as well as editing DC's Batman titles from 1986 to 2000. He, along with editor Julie Schwartz and artist Neil Adams, are credited for guiding Batman back to his darker roots after a period of campiness brought on by the success of the 1960s Batman TV series starring Adam West. Uh, during his time on Batman, he created and co-created Ra's al Ghul, his daughter Talia, Azrael, as the guy who took over for Batman when he broke his back, um, also was involved in a revitalization of the Joker, Two-Face, and mo as modern DC villains, and oversaw the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin, which was the only Robin that got killed, by the way. Uh, Denny also reinvigorated the characters of Green Arrow and Green Lantern by pairing them up as best friends and hard-traveling heroes who ventured the country, righting wrongs while exploring complex 
issues of politics and social justice, one of the first comic books to do so in a nuanced way. And he wrote the famous Superman vs. Muhammad Ali book where the two legends had a boxing match. Did you, uh, you aware of that book? I've never heard of this. No, I was pretty It's a very famous cover. You have Superman and Muhammad Ali, two boxing gloves and a boxing ring, and the artist put like all celebrities in the crowd. It's a very famous. If you do a quick Google search, you can see the image. It's a, it's a very famous image. And at the time, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, like holy crap. Um, by the way, uh, spoilers, Muhammad Ali won the fight. Um, I'd also like to see if they had the bravado and the confidence and kind of like the, you know, crap talking. <clears throat> radio that Muhammad Ali had. <laughs> it's it's supposed to be very true to the characters. That was what I've heard. Um. Um, while not as a prolific, while not as, while not as prolific over at Marvel, Danny worked on such books as Amazing Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Daredevil, and was involved in the creation of Madam Web, Hydro Man, Obsidian Stain, that was the bad guy in the, the first Iron Man movie, uh, Lady Deathstrike, and was responsible for naming the Transformer Optimus Prime the leader of the Autobots. Of note, Denny branched out to TV, writing episodes of Logan Run, A Superboy, Batman the Animated Series, and G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. So he was a very big-time comic book legend. Um, he, I hope I educated you on who he was. And that's just a, a taste. I'm going to be honest with you, it's a little bit dim in here because I do candlelight at night. And when I read Marvel on your page, I always think of Carvel <laughs> and I get hungry. And also Lady Deathstrike, I read as Deathstroke and I thought it was some type of murder porn. So I'm sorry, this is where my head is at. It's, what, you're thinking of, uh, what was that, Cookie Puss and Fudgy the Whale? Yes, exactly. I love the Tom Carvel commercials. Look at all the Cookie Puss. Look at Fudgy the Whale. Guess your dad was happy fun or Entertaining us during the darkest of times, and they certainly have this year. 
our hope and extending the eligibility requirements, I think I didn't say that right, and our award date is to provide the flexibility filmmakers need to finish and release their films without being penalized for something beyond anyone's control. This coming Oscars and the opening of our new museum will mark an historic moment gathering movie fans around the world to unite through cinema. Uh, for all those keeping track, this is the fourth time out of, out of the existence of the Oscars that it has been postponed. Uh, the first three were the delay in 1938 after massive flooding in Los Angeles. In 1968, they were put on hold after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then again in 1981 following the assassination attempt of the President Ronald Reagan at the time. So this is a you know, big deal. Yeah, you know it's not going to be postponed. What is not going to be postponed? I, I, I can't wait to hear what this oh, is. Oh, the Bald 666 Film Festival that I'm hosting day one. Yeah, nephew. What's the, what's, the, um, what's the date on that? It will be October 16th and 17th as a drive-in and possibly one day in person, but definitely drive-in. And it ain't canceled and ain't being postponed. Do you have a website? There is a website. I will, I will put all of that in the comments. Okay. So, yeah, so if you want to know the website, comment on our show and we'll let you know, right? And it was a very classy festival, just like the Oscars. I'll have Asian doctors draining my blood on stage. I'll crawl out of a coffin, and uh, I'm going to have people slime me over the head, you know, just like the Oscars. Why has it got to be Asian doctors? Because I, I want them to be Asian. That's okay. Just, it's my choice. It's her choice. Believe all women. <laughs> okay. Oh, the movie on. From the follow-up department, um, as mentioned in a previous show, the San Diego Comic-Con, which is the biggest comic book convention in the entire United States, is going to be a free online event along with free program guides and passes that can be printed out. Um, now it has been announced that all their panels, which they're still planning on having, will be able to be viewed for free on their YouTube channel. Executives say, <clears throat> for the first time in our 50-year history, we are, healthy, we, are healthy, we are happy to welcome virtually anyone from around the globe. Through the stay-at-home conditions, make this a very difficult time. We see this as an opportunity to spread some joy and strengthen our sense of community. So that's cool. This is the biggest, now this is going to be the biggest combo convention in the entire world. So that anybody from anywhere can see these panels, and they're usually good panels. And virtually anyone can go, even the people of Walmart. You don't even have to get dressed. Yes, that you remember. Yes, good callback. Um, for those of you who want to be part of this free online event, it starts on July 22nd and lasts for five days. Ah. Um, moving on, speaking of conventions, from the we can, we can hold our own convention department, ah. Warner Brothers has announced that they too will hold their own one-day, 24-hour online convention focusing on all of DC's properties and calling it the DC Fan Dome, uh, which will be held online starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on August the 22nd. That uh, brings to mind images of Hurricane Katrina. Didn't they have the dome where people went? They did, but this is a virtual dome. Yeah, I don't know. The word dome just doesn't sit well with me. Well, it's, it's a play on fandom, so it's fandom. I don't get it. It's no. too highbrow for me. You have to explain this one. Too high. Going over my head. And as, as a dome would. Ha ha. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Executives say. <laughs> for more than 85 years, the world has turned to DC's inspiring heroes and stories to lift us up and entertain us. And this massive, immersive digital event will give everyone new ways to personalize their journey through the DC universe without lines, without tickets, and without boundaries. With DC Fandom, Dome, we're, about, we're able to give fans from around the world an exciting and unparalleled par way to connect with all their favorite DC characters as well as incredible talent who brings them to life on the page and the screen. So basically, it's another massive event that they're trying to get everybody to come and watch this stuff. And you know what's best about this all? It's free and no public bathrooms? It is, exactly. It is completely free, yes. So, I'm concerned with public bathrooms. I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay and be, I'll get my own private bathroom to go in person. Really? I, I can't stand public bathrooms. If it has public bathrooms, I don't want to go. 
So you really don't want to go to any big time conventions. Cause... I pretty no, and I kind of have to prepare myself about a week in advance. Like, okay, it's going to be disgusting. You're going to see urine from someone else on the seat. You're going to smell body odors and things that are excreted from people's bodies. It's guaranteed. Like, what I know that's going to happen. I can't get that excited the day before. It's kind of gross. See, it's, it's not guaranteed if you don't use the bathroom. If you prepare yourself mentally and physically in the morning, you don't use the bathroom and the convention because it'll take like an hour. No bueno. <laughs> I've never used a bathroom in New York Comic Con. Severely dehydrated and have limp issues, but we'll talk about this after the show. Now I'm worried about your health. Well, you should be worried about my health a long time ago. Maybe day after day one of what we met, that's when you should be worried. I think Charlie and I are going to do an intervention on your water drinking, so now I'm concerned. <laughs> never gone to the bathroom during any Comic Con? Not, not New York Comic Con, no. I know better. Oh my god. I know better. Wow, you're like a unicorn to me. Yeah, a little bit. Little bit. Um, well, maybe, maybe that was in my young, younger days. Uh, since I didn't I don't have to go this year, I don't have to worry about it. I pee like every 20 minutes. I pee out in the middle of the call sometimes while we're doing this. Like, that's, you know, that's a, diff, that's a completely different story. And, I, and I'll, I'll say that conversation for off the air also. Fine. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Moving on. Uh, also from the follow department, which, which has been working overtime. Ever since the pandemic has hit its stride, we, as it came from the radio, have been covering the ever-changing rollercoaster status of Diamond Distributors, which is the biggest distributors of comic book and pop culture merchandise in the entire U.S. Yeah, we know by now. We know. We talk about them every week. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the short version is when the pandemic hit, they decided to stop uh, distributing comic books. Then they decided that they were going to um, not pay their uh, vendors. <laughs> then they decided that they were going to pay them back at a 15% at a of what they owed per each month, still owing the rest. Then the, the head of marketing quit. Then uh, DC Comics uh, severed ties, making their own distribution services. But now DC has backstepped its initial claim and has announced that they will temporarily continue business with Diamond. <sighs> this is like that couple that keeps breaking up and going back together and breaking up. Oh, I'm not. Now we're together. No, he's, 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 he's so mean. He's so mean. Oh, I love him so much. He's so mean. I mean, next week they're going to be broken up again. So this, so let's, let's, um, I'll, I'll mention this in a second. So executives say Diamond and DC have extended their agreement to fulfill reorders of in-stock comic periodicals previously offered for sale, fulfilling reorders, fulfilling reorders through July 31st. Essentially, Diamond will be able to continue to distribute any DC printed before the June 23rd split through the end of July, so as long as they still have the item in stock. So basically, what they're letting Diamond do is sell off and deliver any leftovers that they have in their warehouse. I just think of Diamond. I think of Diamond Taxi in D.C. You ever live in D.C.? You ever go there? I have. I've driven around it. That's the. Oh wait, wait, no. Um, the bus went through it. So yeah, I've I've driven through D.C. one time. I was should call them on the show one time because I'd love to know if this woman's still there. And when I was in college, 2000, 2002, I'll keep it short. We'd always call for cabs. We'd have cars. Freshmen in college, and the woman answer would always go, Diamond. Diamond, and she sounded so annoyed by any request you give her. So that's just what I think of every time I hear Diamond. I go, Diamond. I mean, she's legendary. Everyone in DC knew this woman. We never saw her. You just but, heard the voice. Oh yeah, we all knew her. That's crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe she's running Diamond Distributors. Maybe that's why people are so hot and cold. Because this woman must have pissed off a lot of people. Maybe, like, I mean, this is such a roller coaster ride. Like every week is something new. Like this is far beyond my. It, yes, I know you love it, but whew, love it. it's rough. Yeah, it's rough for them, but it's so interesting just to read the updates. It's like, oh my god, again? Really? Okay. So, yeah, so moving along, uh, from the People's Gotta Eat department, um, Nathan's just announced that their annual hot dog eating contest will still take place. However... <laughs> To adhere to social distancing standards, the event will take place without a live audience and is also being moved outside of the original Nathan's Hot Dog Stand on Colony Island to a 
private location in the neighborhood to give the competitors ample space to distance themselves one another. So it's no longer the Nathan's hot dog contest. It's basically just like, hey, Tony, you want to eat a bunch of hot dogs at your, your brother's house? All right, cool. Like, that's what's happening. <laughs> it's so unofficial. I can't even take it. It's great. You know, I, I like how you put that. So, yes, essentially, that's basically what happened. Tony is having his own hot dog competition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no Nathan's. There's no place. Well, they're not going to use the Nathan's hot dogs. Hey, might as well just do it at one of my neighbor's house. I mean, one of my neighbors is gone till further notice. Just have a bunch of people there. Are they even going to have Nathan's hot dogs, or are they going to serve, like, tuna fish? Like, <laughs> they are going to have Nathan's hot dogs. You know, as a side note, I have to say, I, I had Nathan's at Nathan's, that, that famous hot dog stand, like, mm. two to three years ago, my first time ever having it. And I got to say, it actually tastes different than any other Nathan's I've ever had. It's very weird. Um, so Nathan says, what was that? I wonder what the difference is. I don't know, but it actually, ta I didn't believe it. You know, people have told me, but it right. actually tasted different than any other Nathan's I've had, either frozen or any other Nathan's, you know, uh, restaurant. That particular the, one there tastes different. What was the difference about the sausage? Tell us about the sausage. It, it just, it had a more flavorful taste. It just had, it, everything was enhanced. And I, and I just had it with ketchup, so I didn't have any of the fixings. So it was just a regular hot dog with ketchup. And I was like, wow, it actually tastes better here than any other place I've ever had. Maybe because bacteria. There's extra bacteria in Pony Island. <laughs> Maybe. Probiotics. benefits, <laughs> you know? Maybe it's the Brooklyn water, maybe. But even still, like that particular one, I just couldn't believe it. Um, so Nathan says, <clears throat> we've had an enormous number of inquiries related to will it happen, please don't cancel, and we're very pleased to be able to figure it out. I think that there are a lot of people very happy to have something typical of the summer. Uh, normally, 30 contestants, 15 men, 15 women, try to eat as many hot dogs as possible in the time given, but this time there will be just 10 people in total, 5 and 5, you know, of each sex. Uh, for those not paying attention, Joey Chestnut currently holds the world record for eating 74 hot dogs in a matter of 8 minutes. And wow. Miki Sudo, uh, obviously she's a female, has won the event 6 times and holds a personal best of 41 hot dogs and buns. Oh my god. I mean, why do they do this in the summer? It's hot. It's gross. What else do you want to do? You know what I want to do? In 94 degree weather, I want to stuff 27 hot dogs down my throat. I mean... Well, yeah. you don't want to do it in the winter. No one's going to come and see that. That's what I would, I would want to do in the winter. That's when I stuff my face. Like December, no, Thanksgiving, I had six bowls of stuffing and macaroni and cheese. That's the time to stuff your face. So summer, uh, uh -oh. I don't know. Hot dog summer, national pastime, you know, the, the old baseball tradition. It's, it's, uh, it's part hot of summer. Hot dog winters. Hot dog winters. Hashtag hot dog winters. That's my new hashtag. <laughs> Join me. So uh, you're, you're going to have your own winter hot dog eating contest. Maybe I should. Maybe maybe this is a good idea. Maybe the film festival. Maybe we'll do a contest at the film festival. Ooh, that would be kind of cool. I think it's happening. Yeah. All right, for anyone listening, October 16, 17, I'm hosting one of the days. Submit to my eating contest. Don't know what it's going to be yet. But it's social distancing. Are we going to be good back at that time? We're going to be all right? We could do it. They're doing it now, right? They're gonna yeah, do but in, in, in some guy's apartment. <laughs> exactly. We're going to do this on stage. I'll find the way. Six feet apart, stuff your faces, and then if you have to throw up after, whatever, you're six feet apart. Like, don't even have to worry about holding it in. Just do it on stage. So, you know, I'm six foot one, so I always, in my, whenever they say, say six feet apart, I'm thinking you have to stay one mark apart from you. That's funny. I like that. You should just lay down on the ground so we can make markers with your body. Ah, markers. Ha ha. <laughs> markers. Uh, the event will be held on the 4th of July, so in some secluded private area, but it'll be broadcast on TV, so you can still see it. Oh, well, I'm thinking about having a party, so maybe they can do it at my house. Ooh, that would be cool. You should you should write to Nathan and be like, hey, come to my house. Hey, I got a house. I can fit 10 people. How about you go to my house? 10 yeah. people, I've got you. And then they can exercise afterwards to work all that uh, hot dogs off. Yeah, my gym will be covered in hot dog vomit. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> so, moving on to the last bit of news. From the... It's not cartoon violence department. Warner Brothers has announced that in their new Looney Tunes cartoons coming to HBO Max, 
two of the characters will no longer be able to carry or use their trademark guns. That's right, Elmer Fudd and Cowboy Yosemite Sam will no longer have the use of any firearms in any way, shape, or form. Uh, executive says, <clears throat> We're not doing guns, but we can still do cartoony violence. TNT, the Acme stuff, all that was kind of grandfathered in. Of course, the internet has been full of ire, to that one of the main writers says, <clears throat> Do you seriously care whether or not Elmer Fudd has a gun in our shorts? Do you know how many gags we can do of guns? Fairly few. And the best were already done by the old guys. It's limiting. It never was about the gun. It was about Elmer's flawed, challenged masculinity. Also, think about the context about what's going on in the world now and how long our show started production. Late 2017, early 2018, right on the heels of a record number of mass shootings, particularly the horrific one in Las Vegas. Nobody wanted to touch guns working in the media. You're familiar with uh, Looney Tunes and the characters? Yeah, I think our second show we ever did together, I actually had a joke about Elmer Fudd's gun, and I think I even made a gunshot sound on the radio. I think that was a terrible impression, but <laughs> so I'm glad I got that joke in because there might be no more guns with him. It's 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 mind-boggling. So this is this is I mean this is something that's been tried and true with a character. So I mean, are people going to be offended? Like, are people going to think? Because, like, if you see the gun, does that mean oh, I'm going to go out and shoot people? I, I, I've always had that problem with... It's essentially a form of censorship, in a way. And then again, it is their character, so they can do whatever they want. But... It's... What are they going to have him do pepper spray as, as hunting? He's going to take dental floss and strangle bunnies? What, what is he going to do? You know, and an anvil, anvils and dynamites and traps... <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna get gory and gruesome. You know, you know what I would do if I didn't like this mandate and I was the artist and I was told, you know, what, you can't put any guns. It's really offensive. I go, oh, okay, fine. I won't put any guns. I would make it the goriest piece of art you'd ever seen. I just have the bunny stepping into into booby traps and dynamite and blowing up, and there'd be guns everywhere. There'd be choking from tear gas. I mean, you'd want the guns back after I was done. So you, you bring up a, a, a theory that I've had for a while, and I'm going to mention this briefly. Um, my, my favorite movie of all time, Transformers the movie, 1986, the animated movie, um, the studio that was Hasbro that made the toys mandated to the company that was working on it, which was Hasbro and the, the, the animators, to kill off the, the toy line so they can introduce new toys. That was the idea. And in that cartoon was probably, the, at the time, the most brutal deaths I've seen for robots. So I've always thought, like, they're like, oh, you want us to kill them off? We'll kill them off, like, really good. Like, just seeing it as a kid, and uh, I'm, I don't know if you're even aware, but when they killed off the main leader, Optimus Prime, who Denny O'Neill named, I, I've said this many times, I'm in this theater with kids, as a kid, watching this movie. And you know how kids are, they're noisy and whatever, they, you know, they're kids. Right. The main character, the hero, the leader of the good guys, dies on screen. Like he gets shot, blown up, and and then well, his his spirit leaves him. His color turns all gray. Very heavy moment for kids to watch. Like it was like the it was like our, our Bambi of the time, or like the Mufasa of the time, just watching you know the the main guy just die on screen. It's dead silence in the theater. Can you imagine a, a theater full of kids running screaming like ah? Just yeah, dead um, silence, yeah. pin drop? Well, you know, that's what happens when you don't want to use guns, right? Guns are bad. So I always thought that maybe they did that on purpose, but who knows? And, and also, it's a... For which purpose? It's just, it's just one of those things that they're like, you know, oh, you want to kill? We'll, we'll, we'll kill them. We'll show you. Oh, uh, to just be extra about it. Yeah, because that was a mandate. You want us to kill them off? We don't want to kill these characters, but if that's what you want... And then they're like, but how could you? It's like, you wanted us to kill him. Yeah, that's like that's like me just being a little extra, like, um, this isn't really super related, but let's just say I have someone who may or may not live with me, and <laughs> they wanted quiet, and I was like, this is my own house. I don't want to give you quiet. So I had the TV on volume 27, and I, I figured out a little trick. If you guys have to drive someone out of your house, you could do this at home. Do this at all. Nothing. Don't do this at home. You can take the volume and bring it all the way up to like 47.57 and then bring it down really, really fast all the way back to 27. Bring it back up to 47. Bring it down to 27. Bring it up. So the person who's in the other room will keep the 
thinking that the volume changes, but it doesn't stay up loud enough for them actually to come out and tell you to shut up. But after 20 minutes goes by of that, they're not going to be sleeping. That, that is torture <laughs> on many levels. I just did that the other day. <laughs> good, good job torturing people. Um, exactly. So, That's my room of torture. It's like the worst thing I do in, in the world, so I'm just going to admit it. Well, good job. We're almost out of time, but I want to mention this quickly about this whole Elma Fudd thing. Um, Ninja Turtles. Um, you're familiar with the Ninja Turtles, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Of course. So they made the, the, a live-action movie in the 90s, 30 years ago, as a matter of fact. Um, I they... went to the theaters. I loved it. Oh, okay. So when they made the second one, as they tend to do, the parents were complaining that they were using their weapons too much and can't use weapons because kids are going to be violent. So in the second movie... If you paid attention, they weren't allowed to use their swords at all. He never used his swords in one moment. And so a lot of the weapons in that movie weren't used, even though that was what their trademark weapons were, because they were being neutered. So basically that's what I feel is happening here, is that it was not the parents, but the studio itself says it. So I guess it's their property, whatever the hell they want, but still, there you have it. Well, that's how I feel in my current relationship. I have a body, but I'm not really using it. But I have all these organs, which could be like sex organs, but I'm not really using them. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, so with that, we got the end because we're out of time for the news. <laughs> well, then. That uh -huh. was very informative for you it was for me. 30 seconds or less. Uh, final thought? <laughs> Eat vegetables, water, pick your teeth, be kind to your neighbors. If you don't have neighbors, be kind to everyone else. Except your roommate, your plastic radio, too. Exactly. Uh, so that's it for the news. We're going to take our break. We'll be right back with It Came From The Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is the place to go for your comics and gaming needs. We are now doing home delivery in Nassau County because new comics are back. So if you want the latest comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for details. You can also contact us through our Facebook page. That's Cosmic Comics and Games, 516-763-1133. Thank you and stay safe. Hi, this is Mary Wilson of the Supremes, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on breads, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631 606 8166. Hey, this is Brimstone. And this is Kim Adragna. And this is Zambo. And we're from the Grindhouse Radio, and uh, we just won the 2017 Best Radio Station on Long Island. Right now, you're listening to the other guys. It came from the radio. Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is the place to go for all your comics and gaming needs. We are now offering in-store pickup because new comics are back. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from 11 to 8, Thursday from noon to 5, Friday from 2 to 8, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, or independent comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for details. You can also contact Contact us through our Facebook page. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Hi, this is Sue Lee from Face Off Season 2. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hey, everybody. This is Senior Correspondent Charlie Saladino, and I'm here and happy to be here and honored to be here with the multi-talented Loren Malloy. I cannot even begin to tell you how many hats this young lady wears. Um, and in fact, there's, there's so many things going on in her life that this is going to be a two-parter, maybe three. So we'll see what's going on now with Lorraine Malloy. Lorraine, first I want to touch on your movie because I'm so excited about that. So how are you and 
let me know everything about your movie. <laughs> I'm doing really good. Now that the movie's done and it's, you know, out and released, I'm a bit saner than I was right before. No. <laughs> a bit saner is always nice, right? Um... I'm doing really good. Yield has been an incredible ride because, you know, we've had so many ups and downs. And as my first feature film, you really have to prove yourself and let so many people realize that I know what I'm doing, that my mind really is much faster than my mouth, which is saying something. <laughs> so Yield was released uh, May 29th, 2020. I've already sold over 100 copies of the movie, so I'm honored. And every single person that's seen it so far has given it rave reviews. They're so excited and they've loved it because, once again, um, anytime I've thought of something where I felt like I've seen that before, I've made sure I've edited it and changed it to something I hoped you never thought of. And in each case, depending on the kills or the scenes, people have called me or written me and been like, holy Toledo girl, I had no idea that was going to happen. I expected A and I got Z instead. It was so good. So that made me feel really good. And we just had our uh, yield release party this past Friday. So that was excellent. And it's been going really good. Everybody can buy it at bit.ly backslash order yield. <laughs> now, I don't want to give any spoilers out, but I think the premise is so great. And we We've talked about it before production, and I thought it was—I thought it was so great, and I can't wait to see the movie. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the movie without spoilers? I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> so this couple decides to go to a national forest to go hiking, you know, like all we do, you know. So they looked it up and thought, oh, this looks like a good location. They go to this Solaris National Forest to go hiking, and their tire blows very strangely. And they find out from the 911 operator that unless you can get out of it on your own, there's nothing they can do. And the 911 operator hangs up. After that, their best friend... Danny and Leo realize that they can't get in touch with Lily and Nick anymore. So all of a sudden they're like, screw it, we got to come find you. I'm not leaving my friend hanging. They go in Solaris National Forest and discover the Carnegie clan, a family of hillbillies who love to use tourists as, you know, their long pig of the day. So they use the forest as a cat and mouse labyrinth to tenderize their meat. And that's how they survive is eating the tourists. But nobody knows because they only went in to go hiking. So when Danny and Leo go in to try to save their friends, they have no idea the Carnegie clan is within, watching them through all these secret cameras, using all these pulley systems and computer programs to mess with their food until, you know, the crescendo of catching them and possibly making people pizza out of it. It's delicious fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Where does one... Where does one's mind go to create something like this? Was anything that inspired you about that? <laughs> I, I, you know what? How it's such BS because I know there's, I know the answer, but this is so interviewish. You know, what inspired you for this? Well, what inspired me was no. <laughs> um, I actually went on a vacation in Florida, Ocala National Forest and discovered that there were houses with picket fences in there and a man that looked like he was from American Gothic which is a very famous painting of a man in overalls and this man in the Ocala National Forest was wearing a straw hat and actually had an actual pitchfork that you would pick up hay with. I made eye contact and as you know when I make eye contact I yeah. smile and wave. Well that was a, a jerky maneuver for me not realizing that <laughs> being friendly could get you killed. So I smiled and waved and the, the dear man with the pitchfork decided to smile and then chase me. Yeah. He chased me to the point of me having to turn my car around because it turned out to be a dead end of this beautiful little private property where I just wanted to go hiking to flying down the road. Now he's chasing my car, screaming things that I can't understand. I don't know if it was just gibberish, anger, another language. I wasn't sticking around to find out. He finally hits his fence and is screaming and bashing on the fence because he couldn't catch me in time. I drive out the front of the entrance and a cop was freaking out going, oh my God, oh my God, she's out, she's out, she's alive. Turns out, if you go in, the cops don't go in after you. 
it's private property. There's a legal thing called inlands, where when the government wants to turn a piece of property into their own, usually they, you know, they muscle the people out. They go, listen, listen, I'll kill all your people off, or you could pay this amount of money. Either way, I'm going to have a national forest named after me. Well, in a lot of cases that we're not taught or talked about that I did research on, it turns out when those families decide, F you, I'm not giving up my home, they say, okay, private property, and build around them, going, okay, it's not our property, so we can't even go in. Police can't go save you, and unless you cross out of their territory, tough luck. That's what I survived. So I took that and turned it into a horror movie with a budget of under $6,000. I know people who needed more money to make short films than I needed to make a feature film of 77 minutes. So, you know, <laughs> I made it work and I made it happen. Yeah. And, you know, most people are like, oh, it wasn't as gruesome as I expected. I really expected you to really be, you know, doing lots of visceral stuff. And I said, listen, any true hunter you know will tell you, you don't ruin the meat by doing a gut shot. You don't ruin the meat by mangling it with all sorts of stuff. You double shot the tap of the, you know, you, you tap the head, you shoot in the head, and you kill the thing, whether it's deer, boar, etc., long, big. Right. Because if you shoot the intestines and other organs, you poison the meat and you can't really eat it. So real hunters know you don't mangle your food. You double tap it and then you bring it home and cut it up properly. So that's why in the movie there's a lot less gore and a much more of a psychological thriller going on. And I've heard that a lot of people are really torn between whether they want to be a carnigo or a tourist. So I like being a carnigo because I'm Betsy Carnigo. <laughs> and, and on a personal note, um, I think that's the best kind of movie, a psychological thriller, because to me, and I've said this many times on, on my show, the gore and the thing, that's not a horror movie to me. Yeah. It's not a horror. It's a, it's a blood and guts movie. It means nothing. I love horror movies. A horror movie is a psychological thriller, and it's one that's going to keep you at the edge of the seat. And that's why I'm thinking... I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to make you see it. <laughs> and, you know, the funnier part for me is, you're absolutely right, you know, the, the psychological thriller part, if you think about it, the next time you go walking in a woods, what happens when you get lost? Have you ever gotten lost going hiking? I have. Let me tell you how easy it is. <laughs> you go, oh, look, a pretty tree. Oh, look, a pretty bird. Oh, look, a pretty mushroom. Oh, look, I don't know where I am, and it's getting dark. Oh, look, wait a minute. This, this trail is blue, and I was on a yellow trail. I don't even know how to get there. And then all of a sudden, realize how bad it could be if there's also people in there watching you just waiting for your body to give out because you're too exhausted to continue. Some places you could go hiking could take six hours to even get near an entrance. Imagine you got lost. Imagine there was people inside that were watching you before you even drove in the entrance and parked your car. Imagine if while inside they go, oh good, we're gonna have kidney pie tonight. Wow. That's what the movie is. I'm not even going to go into the woods that are across the road ever again. And I have. I've gotten lost in woods on Long Island. I've gotten lost um, in national forests. Um, and people are like, you know, maybe just not go hiking. And I go, well, I love hiking. I'm not going to let anything scare me. I know takedown methods and all sorts of stuff that I truly believe every woman should know. So that if a cargo clan tries to mess with me, I'll just turn them into long pigs. But... <laughs> <laughs> Well, and on that note, I want you to tell people where they could get this movie very quickly because we're coming back next week with part two of Lauren Malloy, uh, Rented Lips, sorry, because she has so many projects and I, I want to get so much information out about this amazing lady. So let's end part one with where they can get this movie. You can buy Yield at bit.ly backslash order yield. Once again, you could buy Yield, which will get you the movie, as well as extra artwork in your DVD at bit.ly backslash order yield. Beautiful.
Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week with part two of the Lauren Malloy interviews. So this is Charlie Saladino for It Came From The Radio, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. This is Quentin Flynn, a popular voice actor known for Axel, Tamon, uh, and Ryden from the Metal Gear series. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Stick around. Now, back to our show. Hey, it's Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about music, movies, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to finish up the second half of time travel. What, where would you go? Where would I go? <laughs> First, I know that you wanted to go every place that there was a rock concert. Okay? Every or... place that there's a rock concert. Like, my favorite artists that go all the places. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Okay. All right. So that's where you would go. You would go to the 50s for Elvis, the 60s for the Beatles, and the Woodstock, and then the 90s for Eminem, which is okay. Whatever. <laughs> 70s and, uh, for Aerosmith. 70s for Aerosmith. Again, you could see them today. <laughs> I know, but like, mm. come on. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look, you know, um, this is not about you anymore. It's about me. Uh, and fine. <laughs> I'm going to... Say that I would go to the old west, the old in 1880s west? to see. Um, why 1880? Okay. Why not? I think it would be fun to be a part of the old west, kind of like a West World thing, kind of hang out and see what it was like. And you want to be in West World? Well, kind of West Worldish. Okay. Well, not with robots. <laughs> I mean, although that would be kind of cool, but I figure that would be a cool area to go check out. You could ride a horse and. Hang out and, you know, it would be fun. Get to meet Billy the Kid, maybe, or Jesse James. We have, like, such a different... <laughs> like, I want to go to all the concerts. You want to see... Uh, you want to hang out with the bandits. <laughs> yeah, criminals. I I like. I was a very uh, very much into the Old West for a very long time. So I can tell. Nice. Oh, can you tell? Yes, because we watch Westerns all the time, right? I don't like them, but you watch them. How could you not like the Westerns? I don't... West, no, they're just not my thing. What do you mean? They're not my thing. Wait, what did we watch that you did not like? I thought you liked the movies. Which one? I don't know. Which one? Do, Young Guns. Well, I forgot what that one was. That was with uh, Billy the Kid. And he was, uh, you know. That one was okay. That was okay? It was okay. Well, I'm going to have to show you some other ones what, that you're oh, going to like. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou isn't one, right, though, right? No, Is that's it? not a Western. That's Okay, that's why I like it. <laughs> it's a comedy in the Depression era. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't think I'd want to be in the Depression era in the 1920s. Well, who would? I don't know. I mean, I I personally think, like, this day, this age is uh, pretty good. The 80s and the 90s, you get toilet paper, you get, uh, what? <laughs> what? You're looking at me like I'm crazy, you know? You don't have to go to an outhouse, even though I still wanted to go to the Old West. You know, um, hey. you know, supermarkets are right there. You don't have to butcher your own food. You know, I think of it more of a realistic thing. And uh, you think of it as just going to hop around to go see Eminem and Biggie Smalls. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't even know if I'd be able to even meet them, but still. All right. Well, if I was time traveling, it would definitely be the 1800s to check that out. I don't know if I would go into um, maybe the 50s and 60s. I think I could agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. I might even be interested in the 40s, although that is World War II, and I don't know if I want to be in that uh, portion of time. <laughs> but uh, that could be an interesting uh, to see what happened over there on, in people's daily lives. Yeah, that would actually be very interesting. But like, you wouldn't go back to the Stone Age or anything just to see what it's like. I mean, no one... I, I don't even think they really spoke English. Did they? <laughs> I, probably not. I mean, I don't think they spoke anything. So I wouldn't know. Um, no, I wouldn't go. <laughs> okay, alright. It's not like the Crudes, a cartoon where they went to the Stone Well, I age. know that. That's a cartoon, Dad. Oh, alright. I didn't know you knew the difference. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's pretty cool. I think... That's some good places to go. I don't know what else I would go. I think um, You'd maybe see... even the 70s would be kind of interesting. But I don't know. I kind of like the 90s and 2000s. That's kind of where I'm at. 
Yeah, I'd go literally 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and... <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Yeah, my soundtrack of my life is the 80s, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, anyway, I guess we're uh, we're done here, going to wrap it up today. Yep. <laughs> yep, okay. Time travelers are out. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy and connected. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Marissa Jade, your favorite mob wife, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My comic book pick of the week. From Russia with love I fly to you Much wiser since my goodbye to you Now, that music might seem a little strange to open up the pick of the week with, but as always, I have a reason why I pick the song to lead us into the pick. And the pick of the week this week is Nikolai Dante, Too Cool to Kill. And it happens within a fictional Russian world. So why not from Russia with love? I got interested in Nikolai Dante by meeting Simon Fraser at a Pronto Comics meeting many years ago and he's such a great guy and we've had him on the show and I've talked about him in the past that I really wanted to look into the book that he was uh, most known for and it's a really good read but I could go on and on about it or I can throw it to the publisher of Nikolai Dante 2000 AD and have them tell you about it. If you're in search of a clean-cut hero then you are out of luck. Honor be damned it's time to meet the 27th century's Russian rogue Nikolai Dante. Dante gleefully swung from Baroque chandeliers to steal hearts and fortunes alike in a decadent and cruel 2666 AD Russia ruled by despotic Tsar Vladimir the Conqueror. Here the stage is set for a whirlwind epic of political intrigue, dynastic bloodlines and good old-fashioned revolution. In a breathless plot exploding from a simple robbery, the brash buccaneer finds himself enthusiastically embroiled in biologically enhanced royal families and monstrous galactic gulags, And that's just the first collection. While this famous son of a pirate queen matures and kind of humbles over the course of the blockbuster run, each of Nikolai's misadventures is penned with flair and aplomb by co-creators Robbie Morrison and Simon Fraser. Their sly send-up of famous swashbuckling sleazeballs such as Errol Flynn is perfect for those with a soft spot for not-so-romantic escapades of daring do. Fraser's dynamic widescreen art is joined by a musketeer's rank of stellar artists such as Charlie Adlard, Henry Flint, Chris Weston, John Burns, Andy Clark, Steve Yowell and Paul Marshall. In 2012, Morrison and Fraser brought the 15-year saga of Dante to a close in Sympathy for the Devil. But does he end up as hero or villain? Dante is perfect for fans of The Princess Bride, Flashman, Scaramouche, and the early Pirates of the Caribbean flicks. You know, when they were good. And lovers and rogues alike can dive headfirst into his adventures with the complete saga, which is available digitally from 2080's web shop and apps. Thank you, 2000 AD. That was uh, 2000 AD's ABC going through all the titles that came out through the publisher. Uh, And it came out back in 2017, that video. You can find it on YouTube if you're interested in looking into more about 2000 AD. Now, if you're an American like myself uh, and you don't know what 2000 AD is, please allow me to educate you. 2000 AD, this is according to Wikipedia, is a weekly British science fiction-oriented comic magazine. As a comics anthology, it serializes stories in each issue, known as progs, and was first published by IPC magazines in 1977. The first issue dated uh, February 26th. Since 2000, it has been published by Rebellion Developments. 2000 AD is most noted for its Judge Dredd stories. It's impossible! I never go to the law! I am the law! 
and has been contributed to by a number of artists and writers who became renowned in the field internationally, such as Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, Graham Morrison, Brian Bolan, Mike McCannon, uh, John Wagner, Alan Grant, and Garth Ennis. Other series in 2000 AD include Rogue Trooper, Slain, Strontium Dog, and ABC Warriors. So it's a big thing in Britain, okay? 2000 AD. Not necessarily as well known in America, but a lot of their stuff is fantastic, including, as I said, Nikolai Dante. Too Cool to Kill is the first of the entire series, and it is a collection of all the various comics that came out from 2000 AD and comprised into just the very first volume of it. Remember, there was a 15-year run of this book. There are a lot of volumes. Uh, to give you specifically, it's the origin story of Nikolai Dante. It introduces you to the character, shows you how he gets his parents, gives you a little bit more background about him, but I can just read it to you from the back of the book. Nikolai Dante, lover, thief, rogue, legend. Bio bonded with an alien weapons crest, which grants him amazing superhuman abilities. Dante lives life on the edge in a dangerous future Russia where Tsar Vladimir the Conqueror is on the brink of all-out war with the powerful Romanov clan. Can Nikolai remain neutral, carefree, and more importantly, alive, when a life-changing secret about his past is revealed? So... Really great art by Simon. As Like I said, I've known Simon for years now. His art is always fantastic, and this is absolutely gorgeous art. I truly love the story. I like Russian history and the Tsars, so I found it really fascinating, this idea of a 27th century new Russian uh, empire. It was fascinating. The Weapons Crest almost works kind of like Tony Stark's armor. It's not armor itself, but he can sort of um, work with the weapons crest, talk to it, have it do things that he wants it to do. Dante, Dante himself is one of my favorite kinds of characters. I love characters that use their wits. I like characters that outthink their opponent. One of my favorite Marvel films is Doctor Strange. And the reason why it's my favorite or one of my favorites, though it pretty much is my favorite, is because the end of Doctor Strange isn't coming down to a big battle. You have uh, the other characters ready to just keep fighting and battling and punching each other, and what does he do? Stop! Make this stop! Set me free! No. I've come to bargain. What? Take your zealots from the earth. End your assault on my world. Never come back. Do it, and I'll break the loop. And that is easily one of my favorite things about a character, or things that I look for in a character, are ones that can outsmart, especially if they can outsmart without using violence at all, where they can transcend brute force, no offense to the Hulk, and just use their wits and their brains. And I think one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it's an ability that we could all strive for. We can't all fly, we can't all have super strength, we can't all have, you know, heat vision, we can't all even be billionaires like Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne but we can all try to be a little bit smarter and a little bit more clever. So that's something that you see in Nikolai Dante. He's clever. He's not always you know, moral, but he's clever, and he'll use his wits to get out of jams. When you get into this world, you're going to see like his powers that he gets from the weapons crest are not like the others that have weapons crests. They're more shrewd. They're not outright power. They're more based on his intelligence and his ability to scheme and kind of like Han Solo, you know, like maneuver around. So anyway, that is this week's pick of the week. Nikolai Dante, Too Cool to Kill. You can get it, as you heard in the clip from 2000 AD, on the 2000 AD website. As always, you can get it and everything on Amazon. There are many ways that you can get this. So please take a look at it and enjoy it.
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. This is Gray Griffin, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you missed any part of this show... Stop! Go to our website, com. Listen to the archives. We'll be up any week or so. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Beyond the Dawn Studios. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.